Hi, my friends, and welcome to today's episode of Fort the Catholic. I'm so glad that you found us. I am Taylor Stroll, the host, and Father Anthony and I have a great show planned for you today. We're going to talk about, uh, just kind of chat up. We had not talked in a while. We're going to talk a little bit about our our Easter, what we should be focusing on in this Easter season. I'm going to talk about who I would be the most mad at if I was that person in the Gospels. Also, uh, we're going to talk about plenary plenary indulgences that I, I still, we still can't say the word uh we're gonna talk about indulgences uh do the benefits outweigh the cost uh <laughs> that's a funny pun i didn't even mean to do that we're gonna talk about cost of indulgences as well uh we're also gonna talk about the morality of addiction uh this is a good show we have an absolute blast let me get into some theological discussion towards the end we hope that you enjoy it if you do please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast or on youtube.com slash forte catholic we appreciate it enjoy the show Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Father Anthony Leandro Sharapo. What's up, buddy? Oh, busy week, busy Sunday. Uh, we're recording this on Divine Mercy Sunday, so I'm going to give and people some you. Divine Mercy later. Later? Not now? You Not now. For me. <laughs> no mercy for you. No mercy for the listeners. Just... Dishonor on you. Dishonor on you. <laughs> <laughs> Only justice. Mercies yeah. for later. Yeah. I... Uh... I think that's actually kind of what I believe, that I deserve more justice than I do mercy. But that's the whole thing that we're probably talking about today. Um, but before we get into like a real discussion, yeah, so it's been kind of a theme of the last like few shows we've done together that you're very busy, I'm very busy, so we don't spend as much time together in between recordings that than we used to. Yeah. And it's become like a normal thing, but like even more so like this time, because like Easter, like I know enough of what a priest's life is like during holy week that like i just leave y'all alone i just yeah. like just completely try to leave you alone as much as i can so uh how the how'd your you survived i mean you're here but did you yes. uh have you did you mentally spiritually survive or are you just recovered because it's a week later now oh yeah no no, no. the uh, the triduum holy week the easter vigil everything went like basically perfectly the music was awesome our servers are amazing we welcomed like seven people into the church, two people got baptized. That all went super, super well. Um, so all that was like great. It sounds like your greeters aren't doing their job at the parish. What do you mean? Only seven people were welcomed. That's terrible. Oh yeah, yeah. The rest were like the rest were like begrudgingly allowed into the church. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've got some new converts and everything. Uh, just got done having a little luncheon with uh, my former RCI people. Now they're just regular old Catholics. Uh, and then we're going to, into uh, the period of mystagogy, which for us is basically after, you know, they get baptized and confirmed and everything. We just do stuff to help them enter into the parish. So they're going to meet our deacons or get a tour of the our fancy church organ. Um, there's a lady who's going to come in and talk about all the ministries and stuff in the parish. So more chill, but very nice. Everyone's good vibes, good vibes. Everyone's very happy to be Catholic. So that's that's nice. That's cool. One of the things uh, we actually just had people like we had people come into our parish on the Easter vigil, but we also just welcomed some people in today on Divine Mercy Sunday. People who were like practicing Protestants who became right. Catholic were like there were three of those welcomed in this morning. I, I, oh, I didn't even tell you. Uh, this one's kind of on you. I'm going to I'm going to I thought about the percentage. I think 70 percent of my sin today is on me and 30 percent is on you. 
Hey. Um, yeah, this is not our normal recording day. We typically don't record Sundays because people are busy on Sundays. But we went through like eight days and none of us. We're both incredibly busy. And this is the only time we have. Yeah. And you were texting me during the mass that I was in. Yeah. Uh, uh, making me feel stressed about time. So oh. uh, I left mass after communion today for the first time in like five years. And 30% <laughs> of that's on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. I can see okay. that. So the mystagogy thing, it's, it's, it's interesting that I, I forgot that you were doing the RCI class. This is your first official RCI class that like, you've been Second. responsible for. Second, Second okay. that I've taught, yeah. Okay. Um, so I think most people that know RCIA, and I think most people that do RCIA focus very much on like the year of prep. Yes, we know it's supposed to be two, but no one does that. We, we, it's yeah. like a school year, right? So it's like you, the, the beginning, whenever they start in August or whatever, it's a lot of question and answer, stuff like... like is God real? How do you even know that? Uh, why Catholicism and not, you know, being a Baptist or Methodist? Like, it's kind of a lot of that. And then once they get through all their questions, then it's like the teaching period of like, yeah. hey, here's what the church teaches so that whenever they ask you, do you believe what the church teaches? You can say yes without being like, well, the 30% I know I'm cool with. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we only tell them about Donut Sunday and then that's it. That's all I get to know. <laughs> I'm down with that. I'm down yeah. with that. Um. And then I, I think a lot of people don't know. We just finished Lent, so we're not going to talk about it a ton. But I think a lot of people don't know is that like Lent for everybody came for the period of preparation, spiritual preparation for people in RCA. So it's like that last 40 days was like, uh, it's more like spiritual preparation, prayerful preparation, like getting your heart ready because your mind is ready, or ready as it's going to be at that point. Yeah. And let's get your heart ready, right? I think the most forgotten part of Mystagogy, some people don't even do it. They literally like, we'll do donuts together today and then be like, sayonara. Yeah, but um, I used to know the exact percentage. I know the range now. Do you know the percentage of Catholics that come into the church on the Easter Vigil that are no longer practicing the next Easter? I don't know, but I have a feeling it's going to make me sad. It will. It's very high. That's all I'll say. I, <laughs> it, it was either 60 or 70. Like it's in wow. that ballpark range of like, because, for a, a couple reasons. Yes, there's some reasons where it's like, people did it just to appease the mother-in-law <laughs> they became catholic for the wedding and then they just stopped going right but yeah. a lot of it uh like yes there's those exceptions but the most common thing is that how did they come into the church they came in with a priest spending time with them or their rca corner in your case it's a priest it's a priest spending time with them every week walking them through catholicism introducing with they get to know each other they have this built-in community and then all of a sudden easter happens they have a party and then good luck yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and it, they lose that community aspect. They lose the – there's not as much um, direct teaching where it's just like a weekly thing kind of built in. It's like now that they have to learn, they're like the rest of us. they got to read a book or listen to a podcast or something. But it's yeah. not like built into their week. They lose like the prayer component. Like, all that built-in stuff just kind of goes away pretty quickly. So Mystagogy is pretty weak, and it's been on my mind recently because the people that we've walked them into the church – I wasn't at the Easter Vigil because I uh, enjoy my sleep. Uh, <laughs> But, like, we welcome people in today. We welcome somebody in, one person in, about halfway through Lent that was also ready to go. They were coming from Protestantism, yeah. and they just met with Father and ready to go. And then we, I, I don't know how many we did for the Easter Vigil, but it was a good number, right? Sure. Every time we've been – I've been present for two of them, and my – Father always leaves like a little brief time, 20 seconds, 15 seconds of like prayer for fathers praying for them. He's like, hey, y'all pray for them too. And like, that's my prayer is that they are still practicing this time next year. Yeah. Um, so like what does that Mystagogy time look like for, for you? Like what are y'all doing this year? 
Yeah, so I, like I mentioned, just uh, some things to get them plugged into the parish. They'll meet our deacons, learn a little bit more about what deacon you know does. And our deacons are pretty active in the parish, so it's, it's good to make contact with them. Um, uh, our um, pastoral associate will tell them all about um, the bunch of ministries that we have here. To either they either either cool. join or benefit from them, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that. That solves the community issue. Either they're now serving or they're still receiving or both. Right. right? Exactly. So we have. I mean, we're very blessed here. We have continuing adult education. We have different series throughout the year. So we have different stuff to have them plugged into. Um, and then uh, something fun like the the church organ tour. We have this really beautiful uh church organ so we're gonna let them like crawl into the back of it and see how it works and stuff that's just kind of fun um uh apparently they used to bring up the people to the uh, bell tower in the church but i said no we're not we're not doing that because even though it's cool i don't want to lose any catholics uh in a bell tower accident or anything like that like we're not we're not going to the bell tower um but we'll do other stuff like that i think we'll do another day on prayer um so it's more chill more like hey this is how you keep keep going with stuff so that's the plan Cool. So what is the um, like last? So the last scheduled date that y'all are meeting together is around when? I don't need like uh, the week before. Like, yeah. The <laughs> week before uh, Pentecost. Pentecost will be like the official oh, end. Perfect. OK, cool. That actually. So I didn't I forgot you were doing RCA, so I didn't even mean to talk about this. But one yeah. of my questions for that, like uh, the mass that I left early um, as I was going through it, I was like, we don't do Easter as well as we do Lent like the season. that's so true yes so so like I was thinking about it today and like this is my job I've given my life to this yeah. and I think everybody that's listening to a Catholic podcast be like what are the three hallmarks of the three pillars or whatever of Lent we know them prayer fasting yeah. and alms giving we are supposed to pray more we're supposed to feel bad about ourselves and we're supposed to give money right yeah. like <laughs> that, that that's Lent like are there even something like three pillars? Like, what is the hallmark of this season? Like, and like, I even get confused because like, we have the octave of Easter where we just play pretend and pretend like it's Easter <laughs> every day. It's yeah. like, so, so that one, I think I can even give the answer. It's just resurrection, resurrection. Jesus, Jesus has won. So like, mm-hmm. I think I kind of understand the octave of Easter because we're just celebrating Easter every day. But what are we supposed to do for the other 42 days? Because it's a 50 day season before Pentecost, which is like what you're saying, y'all supposed to go Jesus. What are we supposed to be spiritually focused on? Because I'm lost and I do this for a living. <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually have been uh, preaching about this. I, we even had a, uh, an event during the octave, a big young adult event, food truck stuff. I gave a talk and it was you didn't all about the skinny the fat- people come. What? You didn't let the skinny people come? No, 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 no. Only fat people could come. Oh, only, there's a food truck. only the people like me. No, no, no. Yeah. You said big young adults. Anyway, you keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the food truck has to make money, I guess. So we want to make sure there's like no skinny people there. Um, but anywho, um, that was the whole thing that like we, we aren't uh, good at uh, Easter. So, uh, uh, I would, I've been telling people like, hey, you know, the, the prayer part of Lent, keep doing that. But the beautiful part about it now is that you can pray while drinking coffee, the coffee you gave up, like enjoy the things that you fasted from. And but Christ wants you to share in his joy. And the only way you can do that is if you keep up your prayer and just meditate on the resurrection and accept that more and more um, and allow yourself to enjoy the good things of this world. Then and hopefully, you know, it's in helpful moderation because the whole idea of fasting is to kind of like help moderate these sort of things. Um, but it's not as regimented as Lent. So that makes it difficult for us as well. So, and also it feels weird. It always feels weird to do nice things for ourselves. Uh, I think this is a Christian thing and a Catholic thing. Like there was a guy who, who, who came to our RCA party and he was just a friend of one of the people who was initiated. 
but he didn't like say he was going to show up. He just showed up and he wasn't going to eat any food because he felt like bad. I was like, dude, go eat food. It's Easter. You're here. We're happy to have you. You've been right. helping this guy through his journey, even if it's unofficial. Like you're allowed to do nice things for yourself in celebration of Easter joy. So often, you know, we, we talk about offering stuff up, like offering up our sufferings for Christ, which is good. Do that. But offer up your joys, too. Like, don't you think the Lord wants to hear about some of the joys once in a while? Like, invite him into those good moments as well. Whether You're that's depressing something... God. Tell him nice things. Yeah, tell him some nice things. <laughs> God like, is you know... experiencing uh, <laughs> the sad disorder because of you. Right. You know, even something simple. Like, I gave uh, I, had a, I had a dry Lent. Um, and so, like, next time I have, like, a nightcap or a bourbon, I'm like, you know, Lord, thank you for this bourbon. Come share in the joy of this bourbon with me or something. I mean, it sounds silly, but I think that's little stuff like that to remind us that we are free and this is good. But it, like, it's, yeah, you're right. It's just we're not used to that. So it's takes practice in a weird way. Yeah. So I, I like you gave us some of the practices, which is what I asked for. Like, keep the prayer going. Yeah. Do things to like, like not overindulge, but to enjoy, indulge, yeah. right? To enjoy yeah. it. Um, what would be some of the um, so. You even said dry Lent, which is funny because I was already thinking about like themes of Lent, which like the yeah. desert and, uh, you know, like giving things up. Like what are the themes that like because like those are things that I pray through like in, in, in Lent. I'm like, how is this a desert? How am I dealing with the desert? How am I dealing with with, uh, you know, giving things up to get closer to the Lord? Like what are the themes that I should be praying about during this season? I guess um, one of the images I like preaching about using is the whole idea of coming out of the tomb. That so often we live in a tomb because even though it's like uncomfortable and dark, it's familiar in a certain way safe. Like we know that there's a bat who lives up in the corner and we know that there's some like rats in the other corner and they're annoying, but we're just used to them and used to living in the darkness. It's actually kind of scary to step out into the light. Like when you've been in darkness for so long, the light kind of like burns your eyes and there's like so much sky and where do I go from here? There aren't walls protecting me. It's kind of walking in that new freedom that can be difficult for us um, to like walk with the Lord in the light in freedom. So that's the image I like using a lot. Um, also, another great image is uh, when Jesus appears to um, the apostles when they went when they go fishing, and that's that's the one where Peter like jumps into the water to go see Jesus. And one of the, my favorite lines in the Bible is like Jesus has some fish. He's cooking a fish breakfast because. Jesus is weird like that. He likes fish for breakfast. Yeah, is, and, he's still getting used to being human again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what, what, I forget, what do people eat? Fish. Yes. These Christians seem to like fish. We we draw fishes everywhere. But he says, come, eat breakfast. And I think that's it's so delightful. Like, there's like sitting by a charcoal fire by the beach, having brunch with Jesus. Like, entering into the, those like kind of joyful moments. Um, or like the kind of the, the silliness of... The resurrection annunciation, like uh, Mary and the other Mary, a bunch of Marys go to the tomb, right? And they see this angel kind of sitting on the tomb, uh, the the stone, which is rolling from the tomb. And the angel's almost like playing a joke on them. He's like, who are you looking for? Are you looking for Jesus? He's not here. <laughs> he rose like he said he did. And like kind of entering into like some of the humor and the joy and the surprise and the freedom of Easter. Those are, those are some images to maybe meditate and pray with. 
Cool. Speaking of images, I thought about trying to ignore this, but I just can't at this point. Yeah. Uh, just a practical thing for the for the podcast. You are current. You're, my computer is to my left, and people, if you're watching on YouTube, you've been watching me look left for quite a while. Yeah. Because on my TV, which is how I looked at you through my camera, you yeah. froze like eight minutes ago, but we were grooving, so I didn't want to stop. Uh, <laughs> okay. And now the images that I have, I just turned off my TV and turned it back on because typically that works, but it stopped being linked to my computer. So it's what popped up was Netflix Kids. And all, all you're talking about images to pray with, and the images that I'm seeing are like the Netflix rolling through, like Coco Melon and Haunted House, and like all these little Powerpuff Girls. So um, I'm gonna fix that real quick because I'm incredibly distracted. Okay, okay. Father okay. Anthony is risen on my on my screen. We're back. Great. Okay. That was just very. <laughs> that was just very strange. Yes. I was like, uh huh. He's grooving. I'd like to go to stop him, but I was, turned it off and on and. Powerpuff Girls, Coco Bell. I'm like, no! Uh, so I'm going to have to go back and listen to the podcast to hear what you said. So okay, it was all it was good. good. Don't worry hopefully about it. it was good for everybody else. Uh, so uh, you, you said like priesthood has been good, but uh, I've been incredibly stressed. And so maybe I've been putting, maybe I've been projecting that onto you a little bit, but how have you been personally over the last few weeks? Yeah, no, it's been, yeah, it's been busy, some stressful stuff, um, but yeah. It's been good. It really has been. I think the the RCIA stuff has really lifted my spirits, um, and and the tradition was just so good, um, and just seeing the joy. Like for for the Easter vigil, we had like 15, 20 servers. All these kids, some high school, some you know you know uh, like late elementary school, and just to see how giddy they were to serve at the Easter vigil was just like fun and delightful. Right. <laughs> so I'm like teasing them and making fun of them during the liturgy and stuff. Um, <laughs> those moments of not being super biased, uh, and just getting to see that. And you also, you mentioned about people leaving. Um, I got to wish a happy anniversary to a lot of my uh, RCA people from last year. You know, I saw a couple at the vigil. I'm doing the wedding of another one uh, in a few months here. So kind of seeing that has been really good. I think Did the you big see th- about 30% of them? Yes. No, I've yeah, seen, yeah, yeah. I've seen no, a little more. I've seen more than half for sure. Um, You're doing so great. great. Yeah. I'm above average. You are better than average. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I aim for. Uh, but I think, you know, it, this is something that like you put so much. This is the thing I struggle with. You, you're going on like high gear and you're super busy and you're doing all the things. Even if you're doing them well, once things start to slow down or end, like I just fall apart. So there's a little bit of just kind of like falling apart. It's like, no, I have to get back into my regular prayer practices and do this and do that and kind of get back on my feet. Like even basic stuff, like I haven't exercised in like two weeks. So stuff I have to work on, but overall things are good. Things are all right. So we are in a more similar place. That, that, that That's kind of what I was assuming. Just yeah. um, So it's been weird. The only way that I can like really explain how my life has been over the last like three weeks, like I, well, it's it's been busy and busy does not mean bad but it does mean exhausting i'm exhausted yeah. like my eyes are bloodshot like i slept for 10 hours last night and i'm still bloodshot like i'm just exhausted like i've been fighting off a cold for like three weeks it hasn't yeah. won yet but it's going to at some point you know yeah. like it's yeah. it's not just gonna disappear you know i've like been drinking bottles of dayquil severe not, you know whatever um yeah. you ever wake up when you're like semi-sick or even if you are sick I don't know if this is really weird for me, so maybe this is being super. I don't know how often this happens for people. But okay. when you fall asleep, do you? We we always call them sleeps. I don't know what you call them, but you get these little things on your eyelashes, and little crusties? Some, like the little crusties. But do, everybody gets those. I know that. 
Yeah. But do the crusties ever become like a slime and like lock your eye closed so when you wake up you can't open your eye? That has happened to me like a total of three times. And I remember each and every time because it's so weird. It is terrifying. You have to like go wash it all off. It's it's happened like every other day for like eight days. And I'm <laughs> exhausted. I'm like, what is this and why is it happening? <laughs> the first time it happened to me, I was a little kid and I I started screaming like to my parents, I'm blind. I'm blind. And they're like, they took a warm washcloth. Like, no, you're fine, kid. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> they're like, you need to go find a dove and it needs to poop in your eye. <laughs> so the only way that I can explain this because like I am happy. I'm exhausted, but I'm happy. Yeah. And the reason I'm happy is because I'm generally a happy person. The only time I'm not a happy person is when like the bad things are incredibly outweighing the good. But yeah. how I can explain this is like, let's just say on average, I have one or uh, I have three really good things happen to me in a week and three really bad things. And yeah. it evens out and I'm a generally happy person. So if it's three and three, I'm good. The only time I have a bad week is if like one good thing happens and six bad things happen. Then I'm having okay. a bad week, right? Yes. The only way to describe the last three weeks, and this is this is true for everything. It is true in my spiritual life. It is true uh, with track season. That's one thing. I'm just so focused on track season. Um, it's true professionally. It's true personally. Like I have had, because it's been so big, that I just had more experiences. If I average three bad and three good, I'm averaging like 12 bad and 12 good a week for the last three weeks, where it's just like, I'm exhausted because like, there's been a lot of good, so I'm happy, but there's also been a lot of bad and it sucks, (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, so like, like even just like zooming in on specific things, track is, it might be the best season we're ever having with the girls, but then some other things have been frustrating and then we're dealing with some injuries and there's some bad, so it's like, there's good stuff, there's bad stuff, uh, professionally, there have been some really cool opportunities pop up and some others that get the door slammed in their face. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, I don't I don't know how to take it because it's like I'll get the same news, the really bad news and the really good news within three hours. And I'm like, I guess I'm just going to be neutral today because yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to feel. I'm just it's just exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just a lot. A lot of life. Right. Can be tired. Exactly. So uh, it's funny because you mentioned I think you were saying that like the Easter season was kind of your slowing down. My mm-hmm. slowing down doesn't happen till the first week of May because that's when track ends. Uh, gotcha, so, yeah. uh, I might be having a scheduled breakdown uh, around the time when we're recording our next episode. So, cool. <laughs> so I look forward we'll, to see it. How, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. You fell apart. What was that? Uh, t- t- episode ago with you two yes. episodes ago. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do a follow up on that. Um, here in a bit. So uh, that's going to uh, wrap up our first segment. Whenever we come back, I've got some questions for you. Some theological questions, some fun, some serious, uh, some you're prepared for and some that you're not. It's going to be a oh, great, great time. Great, good. Don't, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you're enjoying today's show, I would invite you to leave a review and subscribe wherever you are listening. I know that most of you guys listen on Apple Podcasts. If you could leave a five-star review and say something nice about the show, we would really appreciate it. It really helps uh, with the old algorithms. Help us other people find the show that you're enjoying why not help other people enjoy it as well the last review that we got was all the way back in november 3rd of 2022 so it's been a while so i'd like to see a new one this week uh and i I read them all it's it's a great way to get a hold of me and make my day uh the last episodes uh the last review said i've listened to three episodes uh in like four days i'm hooked this isn't a podcast. It's a group of people that are fun and crazy faithful. They get to hang out and chat about all the things they love, which coincidentally, coincidentally is all the stuff I love. Obviously, Christ being the main guy. 
Uh, we just need to make sure that Taylor stays away from lamb-centered video games. If you've been listening for a while, you understand that reference. If you don't, then you need to listen to every episode in order to make that make sense. Uh, thank you guys for your support of the show, for listening. It really means the world. If you can take a few seconds and leave a review, it would really, really make my week. Thanks. Welcome back to Fourth Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is still Father Anthony Scaramucci Sharapa. Uh, s- silly question first. Okay, hit silly me. question first. Um, I would love to, but you're far away. Uh, so the New Testament, like chronologically in yeah. in the Gospels, what is like the first story that we get chronologically? In the Gospels, the first story. Okay, uh, you you get. Um, uh, Angel Gabriel showing up to um, Elizabeth and uh, her hubby. Yeah. And then so, and after that, yeah. Jesus. And then it's like pronunciation. Yeah. Baby Jesus. And yeah. then we have the big break. And people people have talked about this for a while, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, we get Jesus as a baby. We get him once as a teenager and he was running away. So, of course, you know, he was perfect. But the one time he was a problem was when he was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> of course it yeah. was. Uh, but then we don't hear from him. So if he's a teenager, he's what, 12 to 15, you know, 13, yeah. 15 or whatever. So about 10 to 15 years later is the next time that we hear about him. Yeah. Um, you know, 15, 18 years later, whatever, right? It's a while. And yeah. people have pointed that, that that out forever. It's like, it's kind of like the lost spirit of Jesus. Like, like what was he doing? He's probably just learning how to, you know, the only verse that says like that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So it's like he was growing in his like human knowledge. He was yeah. growing in phys- physically. You know, he went from little baby to grown man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he was uh, in, in favor with God and man. He was, he was loving God and loving people. Like he was doing what he was supposed to. Sure. But. Uh, nothing notable, right? Apparently, because somebody would, yeah. have, somebody would have written it down, right? So this, the the person that works for the church came out in me the other day. Okay. Because I'm reading this story, this story that like people have commented on. This might be a new original thought because okay. I was thinking about how mad I would be if I'm a person that lived like around, like in Jesus' community at the time. So the period from like, Really, we only have one story from teenagehood. So yeah. the period from birth until public ministry, that's like 29 years where we have yeah. one story in that 29 mm-hmm. year span. You know how mad I would be if I was somebody that lived in that town and didn't write anything down about Jesus? I could have been <laughs> a best selling book. I, like, I, I, I would have had one of the most best-selling books. It would have made it into the Gospels. No one wrote it down. So somebody, whenever Jesus dies... Uh, first of all, he just becomes famous. He becomes famous in the yeah. in the Middle East. Uh, he's preaching for three years. He's healing people. He's kind of controversial. Like he's the kind of person that every New York Times bestseller wants to write about. Sure. And then he dies, and then he comes back to life. Like you could have been like, oh, like the amount of publishers that would have given you millions of dollars to do the inside scoop of like Jesus, the teenage years, and you didn't write anything down. They lost out on so much money. They must be so angry. They're up in heaven now. Like, dang it. I really, I, like, I'm glad I'm here, but I could have had a much more lucrative life <laughs> if I wrote anything down about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's, yeah, regret in heaven. That's, okay. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, much like today, there are there were still grifters who wanted to make money off of Jesus's story. So we do have uh, false stories, like myths and things that were just made up about Jesus's childhood. And they are wild. There's some of the quote unquote Gnostic gospels, like one where like Jesus Gnostic gets meaning a, naughty. Yes, that's that's what it means in in the uh, Italian. Um, anyway, so 
like there's one story about like Jesus gets in a fight with one of his friends and he he strikes him dead. And then uh, Mary's like, hey. Yeah, exactly. And Mary's like, Jesus, that's not very nice. So then like baby Jesus or like toddler Jesus raises him from from the dead again. So like you have like crazy stories of Jesus doing stuff like that. Or, like turning a kid into a bird and turning him back again. Like wild stories. So some people definitely made some quote unquote money off of fake stories of Jesus. But as far as the real stuff, I am utterly convinced that other than the episode at the temple um, in, in Jerusalem when Jesus got lost, that Jesus' life was just so boring, there was nothing to write about. And I think this is actually really important because how much of our lives are just like a day-to-day grind and we're just like almost washed in, like overcome in like normalcy and boringness. And that very often is a kind of suffering. Um, it's not as, as painful as like major suffering, but it's it's there, right? And so Jesus takes that on during his life where like most of the time he was what doing some chores and maybe helping out with the neighbors. I'm sure he was very nice kid, you know, very nice teenager, very helpful and stuff. But I think he fully enters into that like ordinary day to day human life in order to redeem it. So even if people want to write about it, there's nothing to write about. Like there was no like fun stories or anecdotes. Um, Jesus was kind of just being a kid, being a TJ, teenager, probably helping around the shop with Joseph while Joseph was around, you know, learning his Torah. Um, I think I think the, the part, there's a part of that idea for me that's comforting. Like when I have a day where it's just like, you know, paperwork, one thing after another, nothing very exciting. Like Jesus enters into that moment, too. And I think that's nice. It's it's funny that you say it's comforting for you. It's comforting for me literally right now for what I finished talking about. <laughs> Just a few minutes ago. Yeah. It's like, that's how my life has felt. Like, when I was pulling together today's episode, like, this note that we are currently talking about right now was from, like, early January. Because <laughs> I'm out of stuff to talk about. Because yeah. my life's just been incredibly normal. Like, yeah. the thing that is most on my mind is, like, minutia of track and how we can shave off a tenth of a second. No one listening <laughs> to this show cares. Right. That's, that's what I'm completely focused on. It's, it's not good content. Y'all don't care. Like, you know, like, <laughs> the arguments that I had with teenagers four days ago. Y'all don't <laughs> care. You know, like, their parents don't care. You know? Yeah. Like, so, it, it's fun. Like, it's it's funny that even now I'm like I've been like it's it seems like the wells dried up all my creativity's gone because I'm just editing all day and then I go do track stuff all day and then I grumble and then of course we always have a family thing every evening and I haven't slept in three weeks like yeah. it's just it's a lot but it's just it's all just normal regular stuff I haven't had a good thought for the show in weeks I haven't recorded in weeks because we pre-recorded everything. And typically when I pre-record, it means I have four episodes ready to go. I'm just waiting on you people. This yeah. time I was like, we waited three weeks and I have nothing to say. <laughs> so I went back and I found questions. Um, I, uh, the whole first segment was, how are you? Because that's all I had. And then this one is like, uh, the, the New Testament started with Jesus' adult life because it was the rest of it was boring. I have yeah. a question about plenary indulgences and are they worth the benefit for the bad look? And the morality <laughs> of doing other sins while you're drunk. These are notes that I've had in my phone for three months. And we're talking about them now because it's the bottom of the barrel because I've got nothing left to give. <laughs> so, so Jesus understands that. He went through that for a long time. That's, that's, where I'm, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so let's get into uh, the things that we already started teasing. Plenary, plenary indulgences. You I don't even say that know again? what. Pl- no, I really don't. Plenary <laughs> indulgences. For, yes. So my primary question is: Are the benefits of indulgences 
worth the confusion for Catholics and the bad look for everybody else looking at Catholics. Okay. So like that's the that's the ultimate question that we're getting to, but that's not the question I want you to answer right now. Because right. I feel like no one understands this. And I don't even know if you do, but we're gonna you know more than me, so I'm gonna learn some, right? Okay. So what is an indulgence? Just basic, what is an indulgence? Okay. So let's start with sin. Um you do a sin, and that sin can be forgiven. If it's a really big sin, you have to go to confession, right? And the sin is truly forgiven. You are no longer guilty for that sin. But the effects of that sin are still out there in the world. You, the, the bad thing is still kind of out there. You've been forgiven for it. And, and the image we, we love using in uh, if you're giving a Catholic talk is that you broke your neighbor's window. They totally forgive you, but the window's still broken. We have to make, uh, because of God's justice, we have to make restitution for that. So, you know, to fix the window or at least pay for the window. Uh, and you can do that through different penances. And those penances can earn you uh, indulgences. Indulgence also cover like the fact that uh, sometimes we are, yeah, so that's that's what indulgence is. So before we go to heaven, um, we have to have all of that kind of divine justice worked out so that you can be, you know, totally pure to see the face of the all holy God in heaven. So in purgatory, that's that kind of, purgatory is doing two things. One, uh, making satisfaction for those um, effects of sin in the world. And also um, with purgatory, it's purifying the attachments we may still have to sin. So maybe like you 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 died, you received last rites and everything, and that's all good. But there's still parts of you that are still attached to sin, like your tendencies. That needs to be purified. So that happens in heaven. What an indulgence is, is this gift given to us by God through the church that pays that divine justice if you will so it's kind of like it, it's through the, these indulgences the window is is fixed and so it takes time quote unquote time off of purgatory so there's a bunch of different ways that that can happen a lot of indulgences are called partial indulgences okay hold on hold on hold okay on, good okay because that's the basic part i want to stay there yeah. for a second and then we'll go cool, cool. the different one so the so what i heard you saying and this is not a perfect analogy but that it's like because because I think I understand purgatory, right? Yeah. So it like it indulgences. If I owe something in purgatory, owing the meaning the things that you said that I owe, you know, getting rid of the, yeah. the connections to sin, all that stuff. Yeah. So it's indulgences would be something akin to prepaying. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 I never had that. I, I know it's not a perfect analogy, but I've never even had that like connection in my mind before. So at least, even if it's not perfect for everybody else, it works for me. So whatever. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. And also indulgences can be, work, since we're being silly, uh, but uh, they also can be gift cards. So you can give an indulgence to a soul in purgatory to like start paying off their debt as well. So okay, you, cool. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can do that. You can give, you can offer your indulgences for the dead. You can also offer them for the living or you can take them for yourself. And, you know, that's all good. So that's that. Okay. There's different types of indulgences. The basic one is called a, a partial indulgence. And this will take off, uh, this will kind of pay off, if you will. It's like a 15% coupon. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not free, but it's 15% coupon off your purgatory. And uh, uh, that can be done. They are so easy to acquire. Like if you read your Bible for 15 minutes, or if you say a rosary, or if you, you know, make a prayerful visit to a church, or you like do an act of charity, like all the normal stuff we do as Christians can earn us indulgences. Um, so like happens all the time. To get a plenary indulgence, and what a plenary indulgence is, is <laughs> full remission. 
Was that? You said it wrong too. Plenary. You said it wrong. I feel like you wouldn't have said it wrong if you didn't make fun of me for plenary indulgences. Are like are like the you you hit the lottery basically all your debts are as far as that are are paid, um, and that that requires a few more special things. So usually they're they're bigger um, things that you have to do or perform or you know um, go through, and usually have to like pray for the pope say a creed or whatever and also the tricky part is that you have to have no attachment to sin so you're in a state where like i there's no part of me that desires to sin i'm not attached to any of these things and then then you can earn a plenary indulgence um if you say you did all the things but you're still a little bit attached to sin that plenary indulgence becomes um, you know, just a, a partial indulgence. So oh, it's always okay. worth the effort. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I never knew that it became a partial because yeah. I've I talked about it on this show before. I've heard. So I've heard that part about plenary indulgence. I haven't heard a lot of the like basic stuff that you had said, like yeah. in the in the first question. But I had heard that and it scared me away because I've never once been in a moment. I am always constantly half a second from doing something great for the Lord and an immortal sin. Yeah. I'm constantly <laughs> half a second away. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't take me that long to choose to do the good thing. And I, there's been some times where I like went above and beyond this past week to do a good thing for somebody. Sure. There's also been moments where I was just like, nah, screw it. <laughs> I went the other way, you know? So yeah. like, I don't feel like I'm ever like, but I felt like the same person half a, half a second before both of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I always didn't. I always thought that like plenary plenary indulgences were pointless yeah. because I was never gonna get one. And honestly, I don't know if anybody else ever really could, except maybe a nun when she's like eighty four years old. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It seems so <laughs> difficult. It's like, hey, uh, go to First Friday Mass eight times in a row. It's like, okay, I might be able to do that schedule wide pending schedule. Say a creed, I can do that. Say a rosary, I can do that. Go to confession, I can do that. Also, be perfect. Dang it. Yeah, yeah, it's trivial on that. Um, It's kind of like you know, if you if you if you get the million dollar million dollar question wrong on who wants to be a millionaire, you still get like fifty thousand dollars or something because you made that point. You know, Um, I love the money examples because it's totally making it make sense for me. There might be other people just like, what the hell are they talking about? But it it works for me. (laughs) Now the thing is, the thing is, a lot of times what makes them difficult is that this sounds very transactional. and that's what I think gives people the heebie-jeebies about it. It's like, oh, wait, is this you earning your way into heaven? Is this paying yeah. your way into heaven? Uh, it's important to remember that these are like really mercies from God. Like God wants you to get to heaven quickly. And so he's given his church the ability to speed you along. There's all these coupons. There's all these gift cards that you can do that. Like he, he's, it's, it is a mercy, right? And by performing those things, we are, you know, um, all this comes from God's grace, God's superabundant grace. And also by doing those things, we're also growing in holiness, right? So like you, you go to your first Friday masses or you, um, say prayers for the dead or whatever, that's going to bring you closer to the Lord anyway. So on top of that, on top of all the regular good stuff of growing closer to the Lord, you get like this cherry on the cake of an indulgence as well. So that's, you know, it's, it's, um, and the church is like with some of our language, that we strayed away from a little bit, we talk about different days and time in purgatory as a metaphor to help you understand that some indulgences are, are bigger than others. So you, you you can find in all these old devotional books, like an a thousand, a thousand day indulgence. Now, how long do you stay in purgatory? Can we really measure a thousand days? No, we can't. But it's kind of like a metaphor to help us concretize things. So that's why 
the examples of money is just to help concretize this this idea, so, which is so. What you're saying is the yeah. church has moved away from days because it was confusing, mm-hmm. and now I've just come up with the money example. So the church should now adopt my money example because it works better. You know what? You, if you want to write a book <laughs> about like the uh, the money of indulgences, like make uh, make some money off of that, then then go for it. That is the most ironic thing ever because it is, the, thi- the thing that bothers me about indulgences, and I think a lot of people, is that they used to be literal money. You had to pay money in order to get them. So writing a book where I would make money about indulgences and that they don't need money would be hilarious. Everything that's old <laughs> is new again, buddy. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I'm still of two minds, and I've always been of two minds in this. Yeah. I feel like the half of me that wants to understand indulgences has grown. I think just the way you explained it yeah. and even like the money example that I started applying to what you were saying makes me, I'm a little closer, but it has not beaten out this idea for me of is all of it worth it. If all indulgences just went away, what would happen? And in my mind, it would be uh, what are the pros of all indulgences just going away? Yeah. The pros would be the Protestants would leave us alone. Uh, uh, meaning some of them might become Catholic. And if they're living out Catholic lives, they like like you said, like if you're doing an indulgence, you're also growing in holiness, which means you're getting closer to heaven. Like all of it, you're still getting closer to heaven, right? Right, right. I think the con would be ourselves and other people would be in purgatory longer than was originally planned, mm-hmm. right? So like that's my, like I'm still kind of leaning towards the, is all of this even worth it? Like, yeah. is the church saying this? I, I feel like it leads to a lot of confusion. Like, I, you have cleared some things up for me, mm-hmm. but it took me doing a podcast for six years and learning about the, going to school for it and working in ministry my whole life to get to this point. Not many people do that, right? So your average Joe Catholic is probably like, oh, yeah, you have to pay $80 and Father will pray a prayer. It'll get you out of purgatory. It's like, is that confusion worth the 15% off purgatory? Is it yeah. worth it? Yeah, so I think, per- first of all, I think there's been a, a cultural change. Um, in recent years, like last 50, 60 years, where indulgences weren't taught. And so when you would hear about them, they would just sound strange and confusing, right? Because yes. people like backed away from it because they were afraid of the bad image, right? So I think it, if it was you know taught more often, it would become, because it's kind of intuitive once you get it. It's like, oh yeah, the Lord wants to get us to heaven quicker. That seems like a thing that the Lord wants to do, okay? And he, he allows us to help people um, in purgatory and to help people here on earth. Yeah, the Lord loves it when we help people. He wants to use his grace to like help us help people, okay, right? Um, it's because it's so often not taught well or maybe all we have are like the really old devotional books that write things in a more literal, literal way that makes it confusing. But here's the thing. Uh, one, I, I think the church always gets in trouble when it tries to do good PR. I don't think we've ever been good at PR, like for, for multiple reasons. Like, and I don't think sacrificing the truth is worth getting, like, an extra nod from somebody outside of the church. This is what I mean. I don't think that, like, the main thing keeping a Protestant from converting is indulgences. I think it's probably a thing that they want to talk about whatever. But I think the bigger things are, like, what is the Eucharist? Who is the Pope? What's the deal with priesthood? Sacraments? Salvation? Those are the main things, right? I don't think, like, if you said, oh, don't worry, we're done with indulgences, we would get mass conversions. I I don't see that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I also think like while it's good to you know important to put a a good face forward and all that stuff, I just feel like we've gotten in a lot of trouble by trying to make things look simpler or look better than what they are. Um, whenever we tr- focus on 
PR instead of like the truth, we get in trouble. Um, whether it's little things or big things like the scandal. Um, and also, you know, a few years off purgatory, whatever, it, it sounds trite when we say it, but if you, if you read a lot of the, the mystics and you can, you know, um, you have to like be piously reverent to some of these things. Um, purgatory is not fun. Like purgatory is a purification. And just like it's, we enter into suffering every time we try to let go of a sin, you know, and that, like difficulty or thinking even about the difficulty of like giving stuff up for Lent. Multiply that by like infinity. And that's the final purification. There's a reason why we, there's an image used of like fire in purgatory. It's a purifying fire. Don't worry. It's a good place to be because it means you're going to heaven and you're grateful you're in purgatory. But you don't want to be there long, right? Because it is a difficult process to go through because you're being you know, purified. Um, so I think, you know, being able to perform these acts of charity that God allows us to perform, I think it is worth it. Yes, it's not taught very well. Yes, it's confusing. You've never heard about it before. Um, but it's still like this really, once you get it, it's like this is a really beautiful gift that God has given us. And I don't want to throw that away, even if it's confusing for some people. That's why I teach RCA, to make it less confusing for people. You know? Yeah, and that's fair. And I feel like you've convinced me on that. And I think the last... I'm so mad. Right? I'm so mad right now. It has nothing yeah. to do with our conversation. It's another tick for good and bad because I feel like I'm really enjoying this conversation. But yeah. someone is like weed eating three inches from my window. Like, <laughs> go away. Go away. You're late. Go away. Okay. Back to my, fi my final thing. I'm just... I'm so frustrated. <laughs> we might get my break a month early. It might be happening right now. I'm just like boiling in anger. Okay. The last thing yeah. is not talking about people outside the church, but there's still part of me that, not part of me, most of me. There's the majority of me that thinks it's all made up and it doesn't work. Uh -huh. uh, so like, so the indulgence is like, what? Where do they come from and how do we know that they're real? Like, I feel like they were made up along the way. I have no context for that. I don't, I, I haven't looked. Oh, the first indulgence was the year uh, 45. That would make me feel pretty good. But my assumption is that it's somewhere in the last like three, 400 years. And I feel yeah. like it's made up and we just made it up so that priests could make money. And then we stopped making, letting priests make money off of it and they just stuck around. They're still, I'm still frustrated by it. Like, it yeah. still feels made up and like kind of quote unquote, pointless to do because I'm, I'm not sure that it works because it's all outside of time we don't know days we don't know dollar amounts like yeah i i, I don't know the worth of it i don't know the worth of it not I, I don't think anybody does so it's like what's even the point of doing it yeah okay so i think you know if you're caught up in the days or plenary versus partial i think it's okay to just simplify this um now i, I will say i actually don't know like the act the history of our teaching on this but from the very beginning of Christianity, Christians have prayed for the dead. Um, you know, we've had mass and we prayed for the dead. Even in the Old Testament, they pray for the dead in, in Maccabees. Why would you ever pray for the dead? The Lord would only want us to pray for the dead if we could do something for them. Okay. So out of that, like how your prayer is efficacious when you pray for the dead. What is that? What are you doing? You are aiding them in their purification. 
That's basically sure. what an indulgence is, right? Yeah, and, I, and, I, and it's interesting that you, that you use that example because I don't have any problem with that. And I totally believe that praying right. for, for people who are dead helps them get in heaven faster. Like, I totally believe that. But this, I guess it's just something I – just, I guess I just have such a negative connotation of the word indulgence. Yeah. That if you, if you said the same thing and called it indulgence and the same thing and didn't call it indulgence, I'd feel great about one and terrible about yeah. the other. <laughs> so that's why I think it's okay. Like, you don't have to get wrapped up in days and hours and plenary. And, like, do good things. Um, and trust that the Lord uh, will use even our, you know, measly paltry efforts, and He'll do good with them. You know, um, if you if you just want to simplify it like that, and like that's indulgences, I'm not going to worry about days and hours and stuff. I'm just going to do the good things and trust that God wants me to do the good things, and ultimately God's the one who saves us, uh, and He allows us to participate in a very small way in that, and that's what we call indulgences. I think that's a fine way to go about your your Christian spirituality. I don't think you need to get wrapped up in all this. Okay, um, I will. I'll leave it alone now. Yeah, it's like, you know, you know, and if you see like, hey, if I, what was, what was when we had the year of mercy, we put holy doors in our cathedrals or whatever. It's like, yeah, if you mercy. walk through a holy door, you get an indulgence. You know what? Why not? That sounds great. <laughs> like, no, it sounds incredibly made up. Like, that's, like, <laughs> like, that's why that's like, it's stuff like that. That drives me crazy. I'm like, why, why are we making this religion crazier than it has to be? See, I guess we're different than that. I'm like, that's crazy. I love it. I love it because it's crazy. <laughs> like, why wouldn't God it, it give us insane. graces for walking I, through a door? That sounds fun. Why not? That sounds delightful. I mean, you've been a priest for a while, but I guess you're only you're only two groups into leading a people through into to Catholicism. I feel like I've been doing it for a decade, and I'm yeah, just okay. tired of answering these stupid questions. Just if it just never existed, my life would be so much easier. <laughs> yes, I can understand that. But I did a quick Google. It looks like some like ten. Uh, I don't even know if this is right, but like. 1095, Pope Urban II remitted a penance, a plenary indulgence to people who could participate in the Crusades and confess their sins. Somebody else said it was like 10th century, 13th century, Pope Six. So it's somewhere around there. And somewhere around. Yeah, the mid, definitely the in, the, of, in the, you know, the Middle Ages is when it got popular. That's for sure. Yeah. But it, that does make me feel better because I, I, for, there was some part of me still holding out like we did this just to piss off Martin Luther. And then that, that was part of the break. But the, the fact that it was 600 years before that does make me feel better. It is. Yeah. It does feel like more of our, our it is more of our tradition than I thought. It's been around for half of Christianity, which makes me feel better than it, it just felt contrived and made up. Yeah. So, and I will say I, this just not, you know, the whole idea of selling indulgences, that's definitely bad. But it comes from a thing that's not bad, right? So if you perform different sacrifices, and we're all about this in Catholicism, like you sacrifice your time or whatever, that's that's a good thing to do. Um, so the idea of sacrificing your money, which is something that's very important to us, like you can understand that that would be spiritually beneficial, right? You know, giving money to the poor, you know, sacrificing to the church. It's when you go to like this amount of money gives you this amount of years off purgatory, then you get into like a weird kind of, that's bad. That's the thing that church should not do, right? So that's what we, you know, but that, that that was in areas of the church, especially in Germany, what was being taught. Like you were telling people you can buy your way out of purgatory. And that is not how it works. We you, all know you, the German bishops are always correct on everything. They are, they are special. <laughs> They're special. All throughout history are very special. God's nice. special children. Uh, so I think I'm going to end this by saying, Okay. If you if you go to fortecatholic.com slash donate and give a one time donation, I'll give you're gonna get a fifteen percent off purgatory time. Uh, <laughs> but if you give monthly, which is what we really need help with, fortecatholic.com slash donate, and you give monthly and it's less than a hundred dollars, you'll get a fifty percent off coupon uh to use uh totally valid uh, god will say, Hey, you've got a thousand years, you're like, Nope, I've got this Forte Catholic coupon. But if you give over a hundred dollars a month for, at fortecatholic.com slash donate. 
you will get a plenary indulgence and you'll go straight to heaven when you die. Views of Taylor Schroll and Forte Catholic do not necessarily <laughs> reflect the views of Anthony Schroppa or the Catholic Church. Do you know what my uh, Twitter bio says ever <laughs> since I uh, uh, since about three years ago? No, what? Uh, whenever I started working for Forte, Forte Catholic full time, I switched my Twitter bio on Taylor Schroll to the views. Uh, my views absolutely reflect my employer. <laughs> That's good. That's a great joke. <laughs> it's a great joke and nobody cares because nobody ever goes and looks at my Twitter bio. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a break uh, and hopefully not get struck by lightning. I might go punch someone outside my window. There's always somebody outside my window when I'm recording with you these days. Yeah, it's starting to get weird. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We've got a lot going on on our YouTube channel these days. Not only do you have full-length episodes of this show where you can see us and not just hear us. I know some of y'all just want to hear us and not look at us, but, I mean, that's just for me. Everybody everybody else in the show is incredibly good-looking. Uh, YouTube.com slash Forte Catholic. We have uh, every episode of this show. We're actually working on on the backlog, getting, like, the old audio-only uh um, episodes all on to YouTube, but we've also got our, our Catholic Foundation series, like a Catholicism 101. Uh, so whether you're new to Catholicism or you just want to like go back to the basics, it's a ministry that we started at our church. It's like the top 10 things that every Catholic needs to know. Uh, so that, that whole series is there. We've also got our uh, A Catholic Perspective series where we look at our favorite movies, TV shows, video games, books, that sort of thing. we got a new one coming up that has a cuss word in the title, so you might want to check that out. YouTube.com slash Forte Catholic. Hit subscribe. Check out some of those videos. Hope you enjoy them. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I'm Taylor Stroll. That is still a Catholic priest. They let him stay even after that last segment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were going to kick you out, but then you gave the disclaimer, and they're like, ah, he's, good. Yeah, he's exactly. one of us. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, so... This next segment is going to sound like I'm sometimes I purposely try to entrap you and I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to put you in a similar situation where I was because I taught something with the group of people that I lead at our parish that you and I that like I got from I got a better understanding from conversations that I've had with you. And then they asked a follow up question and I couldn't answer it. And I felt like I was being entrapped and it was all something you and I decided together. Okay. (laughs) So now now I feel like there's another layer. But I felt entrapped by something that I said that came out of your mouth. So I'm going to see if I could get you back in that situation. See if you can crawl Ooh. out of it better than I did. All right. Because I was lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, the situation that started this conversation was we were talking about um, how uh, addiction plays into whether or not a sin is venial or mortal. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- this sounds like a, uh, it can sound like it's, a heady question at first, but it really, really gets down to each and every one of our daily lives because I think we're all addicted to something, whether it's uh, lust or pride or TV or video games or coffee or uh, gossip. Like we're all addicted to something. So I think this yeah. applies to all of us. Um, the typical one that we've used because of my past is lust. So mm-hmm. like the you know the first time you act they act on lust, hundred percent mortal sin. You, you, know, you know, I think we all kind of understand that, right? Yeah. But once you get addicted to something like porn or once you get addicted to something like alcohol or once you get addicted to something like drugs, you and I have talked about and the church has agreed that uh, or I guess we agreed with the church. We, the church didn't agree with us. You know, we the church is them. listening to Forte Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> they might after that last segment. They might mm. get some ideas on how to uh, make some more money. <laughs> there you go. Um, so we have talked about that. uh some because what are the th- I'm just going to ask you what are the three things that we need for a sin to be mortal? We've done this on the show before, but I need this review in order to get to the na- last question. 
Yeah, yeah. So for a sin to be a mortal sin, you have to ha it has to be grave matter. So it has to be a big deal, basically. The act itself, objectively, a big thing. It, you have to have full knowledge of what you are doing. Like, I am aware of what this thing is that I'm doing. Even if you're not, like, sure about how sinful it is, you have to know that what you're doing is what you're doing. Okay? And then the third one is um, full consent of the will. Like, uh, I am not being forced. I am not being coerced. I am choosing this of my own free will. So choosing of your own free will, knowing what you're doing, and knowing what you're doing, and the thing itself being very bad. Right. So we, we've talked about this, and it was in the context of like, uh, can somebody receive communion that is addicted to something? Can somebody do, or like, like, can we do X, Y, and Z? But then also like, just kind of defeating, it kind of goes back to our first segment of like defeating this guilt and feeling terrible about ourselves all the yeah. time, mm -hmm. um, which is like, we're very good at, again, again, goes back, we're very good at Lent, we're not very good at Easter of like, yes, we know you're a sinner. We focused on that for 40 days, but we have 50 days of, he knew you were a sinner too, and he came and died, but now he rose again, so live in like the light and the victory and like the stuff that you were saying, right? So yeah, um, it has been a pastoral thing to be like, hey, it might not always be of use. If you've been addicted to pornography and you've been watching pornography for 10 years, yeah. you might not be committing a mortal sin now. It was the first time. It was probably the 20th time, but sometime between 20 and 150. Again, we don't yeah. know the perfect number, but at some point, you no longer have the willpower to say no to it, right? You still know it's wrong. You still choose to do the wrong, but yet there's something. Your will is no longer strong enough to outweigh all of that because your will has been destroyed by sin and the addiction right and we know like both on a spiritual sense and in like a brain science sense that once you're addicted to something it's really hard to say no whether it's right uh, pornography or drugs or alcohol or whatever right we've talked about this at length and essentially where we got to was like we know you still need to go confess it you still need to feel sorry for your sins all the all those things still remain uh, but we don't have to like be beating ourselves up. You don't have to, if you're addicted to something, it doesn't mean you never get communion until you've gone through two years of AA. Like, like yeah. there has to be some kind of like leniency and like love and mercy towards yourself because it's the leniency and the love and the mercy that God is offering us right now. This isn't a black and white science. So there's, you know, there's some kind of murkiness here, but we've been okay with the murkiness in the past, but essentially saying, if you've been addicted to something, you don't have to be beating yourself up and, and, uh, never receiving communion because of the addiction yeah yeah so let me let me clarify a few things because this is something actually that's been going on I'm, I'm seeing it more and more and more in my ministry because it's not just addiction to certain sins it's also the problem of scrupulosity which is i think the biggest disease among faithful christians um and so i just want to clarify a few things um yes your will can be damaged in such a way that something that would normally be a mortal sin is no longer mortal sin uh, I hesitate to say that, you know, you had no possibility of saying no to something because by God's grace, you can. You always right, can. Right, and, and right. And anybody that's been addicted to something right. knows that, like, I've been tempted to drink or watch porn or, or do a drug. Yeah. And I said no sometimes and I said yes. Other times. We talked about right. that earlier where I'm always cut. I'm always half a second from doing the right thing or the, yeah. or the wrong thing. Right. And both happen. We do have the ability to say yes, but maybe not the ability to say yes to God every single time. Right. 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 So it, it's, it's hampered your ability. But I, I bring that up and you know this, but I bring it up because sometimes um, – the idea of addiction, which is is true and it's helpful, I think sometimes for some people, it can almost become uh, an excuse or it can lead you into despair, right? And I, it, that's not true. Like, you you know, by God's grace and by healing in both mental and spiritual ways, you can't say no more and more. And 
you always have enough grace to say no to sin. That being said, your will has been damaged in such a way that the sin is no longer mortal. Okay. Now, depending on what your, the sin is, it may still be a grave sin, right? And this 100%. is the one thing that's, yeah, yeah. that's tough to say. Like, It is not mortal sin that keeps you from communion, but grave sin. Okay. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's because we use mortal all the time, but like the, what the, I think canon law says this, it has to be grave sin. So like maybe you are indeed addicted to um, murdering people um, and uh, so your will's been hampered somehow. I'm not yet, but if they keep doing the yard right outside <laughs> yeah. my window, I might be. <laughs> yeah. But so like, so you're not as culpable for the sin, but you've still done an objectively grave sin and you need to go to confession. Yeah. Um, so this could be said with things like, you know, masturbation or other things. Okay. But that, that there's a difference between like that objective reality and how do you pastorally help someone in this situation? Um, because far too often we live our spiritual lives from confession to confession and that we treat ourselves as if, if we're not perfectly pure, then God does not love us. So when we have not sinned for a day or two, then we're okay. We're allowed to pray. We're allowed to be happy. As soon as we sin, we're no longer allowed to pray. We're no longer allowed to be happy. I have to keep throwing guilt on myself. That's not a healthy way to deal with the thing. Like, yes, you've sinned. And yes, it may even be a grave sin, but God still wants to be close to you. God still wants to even sometimes give you consolations. And a lot of times when we've fallen, God wants to give us consolations. But we ignore those consolations and we ignore God's grace because we rather just beat ourselves up out of a kind of guilt. And then we end up treating confession like the proverbial car wash as a way to just wipe everything clean and start again. The problem with this is, and we're going to confession like every day, every other day. The problem with that is that you are never actually facing your sinfulness. You are kind of saying, you're kind of like closing your eyes, gritting your teeth just running into the confessional and you never deal with the fact that, hey, this is my sin. This is my choice. And even though I've committed it, God still loves me and wants to forgive me. It's it's hard to enter into that space because we like to say, you know, this is something that it's almost like we, we, we always say like this is something that's being done to me or in the language of addiction. Sometimes when we twist the language of addiction, we say this is something that is being done to me. I can't help it. That's not true. Right. And if you if you enter into that then you never face the fact that like there's a part of me that likes this sin. Because ultimately on some level, even if it was hampered, even if it was difficult, it still was my choice. And until you get to that point, and the difficult thing is come to peace with that, realizing that I really am a sinner in desperate need of God's mercy, that I'm not going to defeat this purely by my own strength, that's the only place that you'll begin to fight out of that addiction. Okay, So indeed, it's hard to give general advice, because every yeah. person's situation is different, but I'll give when you're talking to 10 people, five or maybe a couple don't care. And then like right. four, four are super scrupulous. And on that yeah. side and four are like, I feel so bad. I don't I, like I don't think I'll ever be close to God ever. Exactly. And it's like it's there's it's just hard to talk to everybody uh, for sure. But I will say this, that like, you know, if so if you are someone who is struggling with a, with a major addiction of a grave sin. Um, yeah. You know, if you want to receive communion on Sundays, which I, th I think is a good thing to do, maybe make sure you go to confession Saturday. But don't go Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Don't. You've right. got to let yourself have some time to enter into the reality that you're in and to process that and work out for it. Because one of the major things, like sometimes the reason why 
God allows us to fall to these things. He doesn't force us to, but he allows us to. It's because deep down inside, we actually don't believe that God loves sinners or that he has mercy on us. Like the I have to do something. Yeah. The whole point of Christianity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's the toughest thing about Christianity is that God actually loves you and actually will forgive you, right? Um, we think that like, I need to make myself clean so that God can love me again. It's like, no, 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 that's not how that is. So it's a almost like a harsh medicine where you have to like realize like, I am actually... I can do nothing without God. I need him. Um, and it's not going to be my own effort alone that's ever going to s- solve this thing. And like I I am attached to these things, but God is going to be with me in this journey, in this struggle. And even every time I fall, it's a new chance, not that we want to fall more, right? Uh, but it's a new chance to realize that, yes, God still loves you. I think one of the reasons why we confess the same thing year after year, day after day, week after week, is because... It's how God made us and it's his fault? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I think about it. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, that's, that's a different kind of problem. Uh, it's because we think, we're desperately afraid that this time God won't forgive me. So mm-hmm. I have to prove to him that I'm worth forgiving. Either by beating myself up, like, Lord, I've beat myself up enough. I have felt guilty about this enough. So now you're allowed to forgive me, right? Um, and that's, that's not what this is about. It, it might be for certain individuals, and like I'm not giving individual advice, but just give you an example that maybe to fight my scrupulosity, I might need the tough medicine of only ever going to confession once every two weeks. And I will still go, still go to mass, but I will not receive. And while I am at mass, I will not beat myself up or feel super guilty, but realize that this is all a part of my healing, that God still gives me infinite graces just by attending the holy sacrifice. And I'm not going to give in to either scrupulosity or avoiding my sin. By it. That might be the medicine for some people. So that's why if you're you know, in a severe addiction or scrupulosity, a spiritual director is very helpful with this. So sorry, sure. this has been a thing that's on my mind a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of went off script there, but you did. that's some and, stuff. And now, I'm try- now it's time to entrap you because this is essentially yeah. where, I, where, where we landed. Uh, cool. A little bit different, like, you know, whatever. But it's yeah. essentially where we landed. when I, this, was, this came up in Q&A. And uh, yeah. because we were doing a session on uh, the moral life and it came up in Q&A and I explained essentially what you and I have discussed today and what we discussed, you know, whatever it was, six months ago on the show when I started having this pop up a little bit more pastorally. So the question that they asked. So essentially, I was saying if somebody's addicted to X, Y and Z, this example, I was talking about drinking. Somebody's an alcoholic. The first time they do it, absolutely mortal sin. And then essentially everything that we just said, with all the yeah. qualifiers that we just said over the last 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we would say, let's say it's the 500th time that this that this man gets drunk. It's probably not a mortal sin. Uh, again, I yeah. can't make judges this old, but probably not a mortal sin with all the stuff that we've said today, right? Right. right. She, she asked, and this is a person that I know her situation where she was married to somebody like this. Mm-hmm. Well, so he is, he is now drunk because he, it's grave matter. And uh, uh, he chose it, but he didn't have his full and, and he knew it was wrong, but he, he didn't fully be able to choose it because he was addicted to the tree. What happens when, if he hits her? What happens if he gets in a, in a car and, and drives and gets into a wreck? So we're saying we're essentially saying that if somebody's been an alcoholic for many years, it's probably been 20 years in this case. Like they're firmly into addiction, right? Yeah, so we yeah. would say that the getting drunk probably isn't a mortal sin. But then she asked the follow up question of like, what about when he hits me? And I'm just like, oh, God. I don't know. Like, I don't know. 
I don't know how to answer it because I'd never gotten that far. We've gotten to this point multiple times, but how would you answer that? Because I didn't give a really good answer. I had to come back a week later and try to give a better answer after a week yeah, of thinking yeah. about it. But I was like, I thought we got to the end of this conversation. And then she asked that a great question and a fair question, but I wasn't prepared to answer it. So how would you answer that? So, so we would, cause I think we would agree that if it's the five other time he's been drunk and he's addicted, the drinking and getting drunk wasn't a mortal sin that time. But hitting a woman always is, unless it's the MMA, I guess. But like hit, hitting hit, yeah, at your house, right? Uh, hitting a woman. Yeah, yeah. Always, always a serious sin. Getting behind a wheel of a car and risking your life and other people's lives, serious sin. But that all became came because of the drinking. How would you answer that? Yeah. So this is important to revisit the idea of culpability and, and grave matter. So um, while addiction and the, the hampering of the will may remove some of the culpability, so much that it's not a mortal sin, um, you are still culpable for your sin. You know, you can never accidentally sin. Um, and to a certain extent, your choice to continue drinking um, was led to the fact that you were, you know, you abused your wife. You are culpable for that sin, right? It may not be mortal in the sense that you are, um, uh, you've broken your relationship with God, but you can still do grave evil. Um, and yeah. still do a lot of damage to somebody else. And it's still your fault, right? Um, this is why this, you know, we're talking about indulgences and stuff. Like that's the effects of that sin. Like you you have wounded this person. It's it's going to take a lot of justice to make up for that thing, right? That's going to add time to purgatory if you never make restitution of that sort of thing. Um, so like just because something is a mortal, might not be a mortal sin because of addiction does not mean it's not on your soul. Right. Yeah. There is still culpability. Sin is never an accident. And that is certainly a sin. I mean, even if you didn't directly choose it, you chose it by your actions, by your habits. You chose it by um, not seeking help when you could have. Right. So that's still on you. It just not, might not technically be a mortal sin. It's also important to remember that like all sin is actually really bad. Right. You know, in, in, in the light of an all holy God, every sin is abhorrent. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to keep that in mind as well. Not to get obsessed with that thing because we can begin to think that every little sin is a big sin. But like, yeah, you are still guilty for that thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that was I think that's what was hard. It's because I think I was trying to overcorrect because I think with this group that I was in and I think yeah. generally with Catholics, there's we err more on the side of beating ourselves up and right. staying away from confession or the scripture. Like we, 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 so I was trying to overcorrect. And mm -hmm. I, I think I swung the pendulum too far of like, you don't have to feel bad or you know, beat yourself up over an addictive sin. And then she asked this and I'm like, well, he does. So it's like, there's this mm -hmm. balance between like, he needs to feel bad, but you don't need to beat yourself up. It's like, it, it was this, there's yeah. this balance. It was this, it was this hard balance to strike. Um, and it caught me off guard, but like this, this moral life is, it's incredibly simple and incredibly complicated yeah. all at yeah. the same time. It's like, we all ultimately know what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And, but, but we're all fallen and we're all broken. So we make it complicated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely <laughs> one hell of a follow-up question. Um, but yeah, hopefully this clarifies it a little bit. Um, I, and, and it's also not to say just, you know, in the case, like, you know, even if someone um, does something and they have less in culpability, that doesn't mean you've been hurt by it less. You know, oh, the hurt for you is yeah. the same, right? You know, yeah. so you and don't that's what to... I picked up quickly and I felt terrible. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. right. Like, I was you like, oh, have no, to... what have I done? <laughs> I'm not another saying what we... he did was right. You know, yeah. another thing that we do is a lot of times we either compare our sufferings to others or we lessen our suffering instead of honoring our suffering. 
like you're allowed to honor the fact that you are really suffering from this thing, mm -hmm. you know, and forgiveness is a thing that takes time and you don't need to beat yourself up if you can't forgive right away either. You know, that's that's yeah. a lot of times healing needs to proceed uh, and be a part of forgiveness. But like, you, you know, if you've undergone massive suffering, honor that sometimes it's, it's the best thing to do is take care of yourself first, let the Lord take care of you. And then the next steps come after that. So yeah. if you ever have any any confusion in the spiritual life, if you're not sure if you committed moral sin or not, just go ahead and get your 15% off coupon of Purgatory at ForteCatholic.com slash donate. Um, we all, you know, so if you want the plenary indulgence, you can only give a one-time gift because it's only, it's only for your sins in the past because you're planning to never sin again. But if you're like me and you know you're going to sin again, go ahead and give monthly. ForteCatholic.com slash donate. It'll just help out your moral life. I'm trying to help you. Really, I'm trying to help you. Uh, this is my Joel Osteen impression. Help, help Taylor help you. Donate yeah. to Forte Catholic. <laughs> Life is good, but it could be better. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Father Anthony, this was great. I show, wish you show. the best. We'll see you in a month. Um, I couldn't believe, I honestly couldn't believe it. Uh, not only were they mowing outside, but my Roomba went off during the last segment. I, I cannot win. I just can't win. <laughs> I'll be back next week. He'll be back in a month. Love you. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for being with us today. I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please hit that subscribe button. Huge thank you to Father Anthony for uh, squeezing in the one hour of the week that he had to give me uh, in order to record this episode. Thank you to Nate Bentz who edited this episode because uh, I'm, as we are talking about this, I'm currently at the district meet, so I couldn't have done it. So uh, appreciate all of you for listening. Y'all are the best. Love you. We'll see you soon.